Welcome to episode, what is this, episode three, I guess. I'll have to look back and see what officially it is. We're here with Dave Hayes, my good buddy, on a coronavirus day. Should I even be mentioning that? It's okay. It's a top of mind for me. So. And yeah. And so, yeah, we're going through that phase right now in the world. Um, but we're still going to have an interview, Dave and I, and a discussion and a talk about the Fountain of Youth. I have a few questions that I've got lined up for Dave. First, how are you doing? I'm doing great. <laughs> I hate to say it. There's so many people so challenged by this situation and a lot more people to be even more challenged soon, but I'm fine. My family's good. It's a gorgeous day today, although I hear the rain's coming. I, know. I can see snow in the hills and the boats are out here all peaceful. It's kind of a shame this is I a, love this spot. a pod, audio podcast because... People can't see it. You can't see how beautiful it is. <laughs> but I can see the building I got married in. I can see the mountains I used to mountain bike in all the time. And I, I go up, do a lot of trail work there now. I can see Neeland. And I can see the jail. See the Pacific Ocean. It's pretty damn good living here. Yeah. You can see the jail. It's <laughs> almost god awful piece of architecture. <laughs> Maybe a little background on you I was thinking to start out with. like, Since it's about the Fountain of Youth, how old are you? I'm 54. Yeah. Are you? I was born in 65. Okay. Yeah. For some reason, I thought we were the same age, but I, I forget. See, you tricked me. You're so young acting. Yeah, I was born in Framingham, Massachusetts. I'm the oldest of three. I got a younger brother and a younger sister. Spent my childhood years in a little town in northern Vermont. Yeah, just had a really good life as a kid there. Amazing life, really, in hindsight. But my dad was pretty busy guy. He was an engineer, aerospace engineer and an engineering manager. And my mom was a teacher and then was a housewife. We lived in a great little town and just had an awesome childhood in a lot of ways. And then I uh, did a fair amount of traveling when I was a little kid with my grandmother, with my dad's mom in, in New York and uh, all up and down the, the Northeast and even into Canada. And I uh, skied and I rode my bicycle. I did all the things that kids do. Climb trees. Almost shot my with a BB gun. You know, <laughs> just a lot of fun stuff. And, and then when I was a young teenager, uh, end of middle school, we, uh, we moved to Southern California. We moved to the area kind of east of Pasadena. My dad got an aerospace job in what at the time was an aerospace hub. And we all just packed up moved across the country. Hmm. It was really fun because my dad flew and started working. So my mom and myself, my brother and my sister, we drove across the country. Hmm. Come to find out later, my mom really terrified airplanes. Ah. So. That was just a cool way to see the country. That was an awesome was way like, to see it. <laughs> and, and avoiding had, fear. And we had the most amazing time and there's so many things that I remember about that trip that are just, I have so many great memories. But I was the navigator on the trip. One of the things I wanted to make sure I talked about today was breakfast. I love breakfast. <laughs> my favorite meal of the day. Um, so you had breakfast on the trip. <laughs> had a lot of breakfast on the trip. I just remember eating breakfast every day. Um, but we, we saw we saw so many sites coming across country and visited some friends, my mom's, and um, just in general had an amazing trip that really was kind of an awakening for me because of my age. But a couple of things that happened on the way, we 
we drank out of the headwaters of the Rio Grande. Ah, the Fountain of Youth. And <laughs> yeah, and then we went, we stopped at the Grand Canyon. And I, I just remember that moment walking up to the edge of that thing. Yeah. And just, I think you and I talked about this earlier this year when you were down. It just blew my mind that anything could be that large. Yeah. It I've looks never fake seen almost. anything that big, you know, and I I'd know. stood on the edge of the Atlantic Ocean many times and just didn't, I guess I didn't think about the expanse, but the Grand Canyon, it just slaps you in the face. It makes you feel like a little ant. Oh, and I've still know. got some photos from my little camera, you know, that I took. You know, we did a lot of other things on the way across, but those two things really stick in my brain. What about um, like school? You went through normal schools and Yeah, yeah. So after college. we moved to, after we moved to Southern Cal, I went to public school for a very little while. <laughs> and that was a bit of a fiasco. Growing up in Vermont, it was... Education was a really positive thing, and learning was a really cool thing to do, and being smart was a was a two-thumbs-up kind of plus, uh, book smart. Uh, moving to Southern California, <laughs> being athletic and smart was not considered to be a plus by the people that uh, I was going to school with, not in any way, shape, school or form. School was kind of a nuisance. It was rough. <laughs> school was rough, and so I ended up going to... Uh, out of my choice, I ended up applying to and going to an all-boys Catholic school called Damien. Oh, yeah, that's right. And, I, um, that, just yeah. Had a, I got a great education there. I survived it somehow. You know, we had a real big freshman class, and it whittled down to a relatively small um, graduating class, but somehow I managed to graduate. I left there, and there were other places that I'd considered going to college, but Humboldt, where I live now, was the, you know, the home of Humboldt State University. It was the farthest I could get away from Southern California mm -hmm. without actually leaving the state. Mm -hmm. So paying state intuition, in state tuition. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. anyway, moved up here when I was, you know, still a teenager, really. And uh, God, I love this place. And I didn't realize how much I loved it till I, I'd moved to Sacramento. And I used to come up here and visit from time to time. I went traveling with a really good friend in Europe. And when I got back, I, I missed this place so badly that I got on my motorcycle in January and rode straight up here from Santa Barbara. Oh, is it on the One the of the Honda? dumbest things I've ever done. Was it on the VFR? Yeah, yeah, my yeah. VFR 1000. Yeah, yeah, I remember you And I, I stayed story. with some friends up here. And Just shivering, freezing. <laughs> it was so ridiculous. <laughs> it took me hours at Toby and Jack's to thaw out when I got here. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then I stayed here, and then it snowed while I was here. You know, oh my I managed to sneak out through Reading and, and managed to get home eventually. But, um, yeah, I love this place. And then when I got out of, after that, I, I went back down to Sacramento where I was living at the time. And I just, I really wanted to, I wanted to make a permanent living either here or Mount Shasta area. And uh, I managed to find a job here and I moved up here. That was Yakima? Yeah, yeah. I worked at Yakima for, I don't know, 10 years, 10 years and a bit, you know, until December of 2000. And then, uh, and then moved to Santa Cruz. And then uh, as soon as I could get back up here, a lot of things happened in Santa Cruz. Mm -hmm. But uh, as soon as I could get back up here, I did. You hmm. know, and uh, I've been living up here permanently for, for a while. My wife was, she was born in Garberville back when it was. Was she really? There was three beds in the hospital there. I didn't remember that. Yep. Huh. She was born in Garberville. And, wow. And, uh, you know, grew up all over Humboldt County because her dad was a home builder and a construction worker and so they would travel around to various job sites and lived in a lot of different places and her dad I don't know how many houses he's owned here in town but many many hmm. and um, so she lived a lot of places and uh, 
So we're, we're real comfortable here. It's just a great place to be. I love being up here. Me too. It's got its drawbacks, but yeah. we can live with them. Everything's, today, I don't see... Every place is a trade-off. I don't see any drawbacks today. <laughs> I'm just like... It's pretty ridiculous right Yeah. Now. Especially like being all quiet because of what's going on on the sheltering. It just feels like paradise almost. But yeah, my passions as a kid were, you know, really were, were skiing and, and in hindsight, traveling. I used to travel with my grandmothers in the summertime and so awesome she was so cool about that and you know she'd take my me and my brother and tolerate us and drag us all around the states you know near where we live new york pennsylvania maryland delaware you know massachusetts hmm. new hampshire and then we'd go up into canada i loved montreal as a kid i thought it was the coolest place how old was she when she was doing that my grandmother mm -hmm. i don't know i have to think back about that she lived until the 90s you know she was born in 17 so, wow, that was like my grandma. Yeah. Yeah. So, and she was an amazing woman. You know, her husband died when he was relatively young. My dad's dad died. And, you know, when I was thinking about having this conversation with you about the fountain of youth, you know, we tend to, we tend to try to be the opposite of our parents, you know, and my dad and, and my mom, I think to some extent, but my dad even more so grew up real fast. His dad died when he was really young. He had a younger brother, you know, and his mom didn't remarry. And, he became like the man of the house at a super young age. Hmm. And I think it, you know, it just formed, it formed a lot of his perception of the world and, you know, kind of how he behaved. And my dad kind of had to grow. My dad's still a serious person. He was a very serious person. Yeah. He had to kind of abandon the family. My mom's pretty serious too. <laughs> yeah, he, he did, you know, but the funny thing about both my parents and I, they really, and maybe, you know, we're going to cover this later, but my parents, when I was a kid and, to this day, it really inspired me a desire to do things instead of have things. Mm -hmm. And they in, inspired. That's awesome. That's rare. You know, and they inspired a belief like a lot of parents do that, you know, you can, you can do a lot of what you want to do. Maybe you can't do everything, but you can do a lot, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and, and uh, it's just a matter of doing it, you know, so. I hope I can inspire that in my kids, for sure. Yeah, you got to give them, yeah. Yeah. Well, they say, you know, you your kids, you give them. They're, they're born with either wings or roots, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> and mine are, both my kids are totally different. My daughter's a wings kid and my son's a roots kid, but I was a wings kid, mm. I think, you know, so. Mm. I wonder about mine. <laughs> but I think that's part of it. You know, I just, I was thinking about youthfulness and I, I, I believe that travel is key. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. You know, wait, you're spoiling my other questions. Ahead. All right. So anyway, that's that's <laughs> no, kind of my background, and and uh, I'm not really talking much about the present, but you know, I, I'm I'm a serious business guy, and I have serious work. It's super serious right now, but I, I somehow I I manage to <laughs> enjoy it still and stay youthful. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I think that's pretty good. I want to remember that one of my questions that I asked my other interview, also known as my mom. <laughs> was how her parents influenced i didn't put that in your set for yeah, some reason yeah. but it was how your parents influenced it and you just kind of brought that up and i was like oh yeah i forgot about that question how how they influenced you to have that youthful kind of energy and you kind of answered it without me asking it just that they yeah. were like you can do stuff don't they gave buy me stuff a long you can leash do stuff. <laughs> too man i got i had a i had enough leash to hang myself many times over when i was a kid you know mm -hmm. they really let me go from when i was probably five years old, you know, I was pretty independent. Mm -hmm. Now, part of it's where I grew up, obviously in the times, you mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. but uh, I've tried to instill that in my daughter too. And, you know, in my son to a mm -hmm. lesser extent, because I don't know that he wants that, but 
Mm-hmm. Um, they, you know, they really, they gave me a fair amount of responsibilities, but they really let them be my responsibilities. And then mm-hmm. they, you know, in hindsight, they gave me so many opportunities. You know, we used to ski a lot as a kid, man. I had, a, had so many good weekends. Cool. All right. So the first one I had written down was, how old do you feel? Like on a good day, how old do you feel? In years. <laughs> do you feel like you're like little kids still or well there's a saying about the 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 worst day racing is is better than the best day at just about anything, anything else. else yeah and so when i i feel young every morning when i'm having breakfast with my son um pretty much but i also feel young when i travel for sure i don't i can't tell the difference in my age much except my ankle and you know other creaky joints or something or being tired when i travel mm-hmm. and uh you know, I, yeah, I, maybe when I feel the youngest is when I'm racing mm-hmm. because I, I, I raced when I was a kid too, you know, I ski raced, I was mm. competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I have that same, you know, I got to pee before I go up to race. I have the same butterflies. I have, you know, the, all those same feelings, the same excitement about being around my competitors and mm-hmm. just racing life is, is good. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So when I race my motorcycle, I, I definitely don't feel old. <laughs> um, let's see. You sort of mentioned a little bit a couple of things that I would call your secret. But another question I have is, do you have a secret to feeling youthful? Man, when I listen to your mom talk, she is so articulate. <laughs> I was blown away. Yeah. Um, do I have a secret? I, I, I don't know. I don't think so. Other than, you know, I, I got to give my spouse a little bit of credit. You know, and my friends, I think if you surround yourself with the right people and you get the right affirmations on a regular basis, I think it really helps you. Hmm. You know, and I think if you're around the wrong people and you get negative stuff coming at you all the time, man, it really drains your soul. Yeah. That, and, 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 you know, I, got, I have some of that in my life like everybody does. You know, the choices that we make professionally often, you know, put us in contact with people that maybe, you know, aren't on the same wavelength with us and, or don't want to be. Yeah, but uh, I mean, there's a wide array of people to be around in our lives, and sometimes yeah. you don't get to choose the ones. <laughs> but when it comes to being home, I'm I'm lucky that way. I guess is what I would say, and I've always been lucky that way. All the people that I've, almost all the people I've had in my life have been just neat, you know. And I, here, here's one thing that really woke me up. I had a couple couple of recommendations from people when I was younger, and these are I wouldn't call these secrets, but learning how to drive properly. When I was younger, so I could be a safe driver, just took a lot of stress out of my life. And mm. I was blessed. I met an old man, ironically, at the DMV, and he gave me some pointers to driving, right? Mm-hmm. Don't speed in town. Stop for every signal light, every stop sign. Look one more time before you cross <laughs> the road every time. And then later in life, when I was riding the VF1000R, when I was riding street bikes, and I was knucklehead and young and had way too much horsepower, you know, somebody told me to ride for space and grace. And I took those things to heart. My dad used to criticize me for being, you know, too easily influenced, too impressionable. Hmm. But, but ultimately, I think if I'm, if you're impressionable to the right influences, it really helps you stay young. It helps you. It helps you stay alive sometimes. And you can't be young if you're not alive. <laughs> right, right. That's kind of a key component. You know. That's an interesting idea, though, that you're talking about because the juxtaposed sort of thing there that I'm 
just noticing when you're saying that is that you're like Mr. Safety on one hand, but yet you're racing <laughs> on the other hand. So there's this weird sure. yin yang of how you're dealing with stuff, you know, which is yeah, kind of interesting. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I've told people many times, and my friends have all heard this, but I've spent a fair amount of time in the ER over the years mm-hmm. as a user, you know, <laughs> and I'm always surrounded by people that didn't do anything that day. Just as a user of the the, of the ER, okay. of the ER, yeah, I'm a, I'm a patient, you know. And you meet all these people in there that they didn't do anything. They were feeding us. They were going out to feed a squirrel, changing Tripped a light bulb, yeah. you know, fixing an antenna, you know, uh, doing some, changing the oil in their car. They were doing nothing. They were just going and doing, mm-hmm. you know, standard fare stuff. And you know, I, I know people that have almost been crushed lying in their beds. You know, yeah. from bookshelves falling over in earthquakes. So, right. you know, I, I kind of poo-poo the idea that one behavior is, you know, say, more dangerous than another, um, as long as you're paying attention and you're doing it right, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a healthy fear is a good thing. Respect for gravity is a really good thing. <laughs> um, I'm afraid of heights. Mm-hmm. Most people don't know that about me, but I my legs got a lock. I was on the Tower of Pisa years ago, and, man, I was... Frozen. Eight kinds of terrified up on top of that slick marble. So, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, there's some things you know that I don't even like flying in planes. But I yeah, do got so, that from your mom. Playing the odds, apparently. Yeah, my mom didn't <laughs> like that either. But so that that's one thing that I would call a secret. Mm-hmm. And and another thing that somebody told me once, you know, if you're not nervous, you're not ready. It's another thing if you're prepping to do something like this where we're talking. And, I'm a little self-conscious about it and a little worried how it's going to pan out. I just feel those butterflies. If you're, if you're feeling those butterflies, it means your body's getting fired hmm. up and it's time to do something fun. That is really so. cool. I've never thought of that before. I always sort of like curse myself before I was going to a race. Like, why is my stomach so upset? Why do I have to go to the bathroom every 10 minutes? Because it's exciting, man. But maybe that was a good thing. And it isn't just a race. It could be, you know, meeting somebody that you like and you don't know how they think about you. Yeah. You know, it could be any, anything important in your day. Yeah. You know, it's cool. nice to have that. I think that's part of Kids naturally feel that. It kind of freaks them out. You know, my son sometimes will get teary-eyed over that kind of feeling because mm-hmm. he's eight and he's starting to get overwhelmed with that stuff. But mm-hmm. I'm sure you've seen it in your kids too, you know, mm-hmm. it's just, or in other people you know. But I, that's, Yeah, that's a good way to look at it though. But yeah, healthy fear, you know, driving, driving well or, you know, whatever you choose to do from a vehicle standpoint, just doing it well I think is really important because cars are dangerous. And okay? we tend to spend a lot of time in vehicles. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And I, you know, I think there's a lot of little truisms that I have in my life. And I think it's important to like find those as soon as you can and try to live by them mm. if you can. Cool. Um, stress something out. else pops up for you. We can always, you can always go, oh yeah, this sort of thing. Um, and these kind of seem to tie in together. That's what I noticed about the other conversation I had is like, I started asking one thing and it kind of flows into the next question somehow. But so my next one was, um, which routines that you have which you just kind of were talking about yeah. um, that you have that you consider to be like the most important things, you know, and like you just said, well, having those little uh, truisms and you live by them, but yeah. more, I'm thinking more like eating and exercise and stuff like that. Sure. Well, before I did think about this. So before I turned 50, my forties, mm-hmm. I, I was getting old in my mindset in, you know, not just in years, but I just was growing old. Mm-hmm. I had lost, the fire to most extent i had a few things that i did that were bringing me joy for mm-hmm. sure um and I, I had a you know growing family and you know 
was having a fair amount of success work-wise. Um, but I, I just, I was just feeling beat, you know, as my buddy Dennis Cohen used to say, just beat. Yeah. And, uh, a lot of the time. And when I turned 50, I thought, well, this is it, man. It's over. (laughs) And it it couldn't have been more different since then. And there's some things that have happened, you know, since then. But my routine has changed, which is the reason I bring that up. And, um, you know, staying healthy, eating right, for me, getting off the caffeine was a huge deal. Hmm. It just got me off the emotional roller coaster that was filling my days and evenings with I like the, wrong say the caffeine. mentality. <laughs> yeah, it is the caffeine. The man. caffeine. Everybody's different, but for me, I never needed it. Yeah, you know, I didn't you start don't. drinking you it until my 20s, and turns out I don't need it now. Um, but that was a little rough to get off, but once I got off it, I was just a much happier guy. So, uh, you know, if you got something in your life that's chemically or, you know, uh, anything that's really dragging you down, you got to try to ferret that shit out mm-hmm. and, and toss it by the wayside. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was able to do that. And uh, the last few years, you know, I, I really, again, I, I, I got my competitive spirit fired back up. I think a lot of people have midlife crises in quotes, you know, and they, mm-hmm. they start running or they run a marathon or they try to put some, you know, goals out in front of them. And you know, as silly as and as cliche as that sounds, man, it it, it helps. Smacks you, yeah. It helps. Yeah. It just totally, yeah. And it, plus, you just end up interacting with a bunch of different people, right? I spend a lot more time with kids and younger people now, yeah, than I ever did before. And uh, you know, part of that I owe to my family and my kids. Um, but I got a playful wife too. You know, she's got a great sense of humor, and she's just like, she's fun. She's goofy and. She's quiet, but she has a really good time and likes to have a good time, and, mm-hmm. and that doesn't hurt either. Plus, she's got her shit together, which super helps. It seems like from the outside, she kind of supports you to have a good time too, which is nice. Oh, that's yeah. an understatement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We don't have that. We don't have the oh, it's okay if you do this kind of relationship. Right. You know, she's. I'm supportive of her very much in her pursuits, and she's supportive of me and mine. Yeah, even Healthy. when they're maybe a little bit destructive, you know. <laughs> but you know, I think specifically, you know. All the stuff that makes you a healthy person works for me. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't say that and that's for everybody, but I, I have to believe if your body is healthy and your mind is healthy and, you, and you're feeding both, you know, it's just you're just in a better situation. That's kind of what I'm wondering. Part of the, the curiosity of this whole thing for me is there that common thread because I, like I said in when I introduced myself, is I'm pretty healthy. I do eat healthy and I don't exercise as much as you, but I do try to stay fit in my own way. And I'm just wondering, I'm, are we going to come across somebody who's like totally youthful and they're like, oh, I smoke a pack of cigarettes and I eat ham every day and whatever, you know? Well, I think, you know, you could, that could be for a lot of people. I mean, I know people that are just tragically unhealthy, but they seem to be pretty satisfied with their life in a lot yeah, of ways, you know, yeah. because they're doing what they love to do and they're hunkered down and that's what they're doing. You know, mm-hmm. you can, you can choose to do a lot of things, do them okay, which mm-hmm. is kind of, you know, I dabble, you know, I'm not great at anything mm-hmm. or you can choose to, you know, really focus and dive into something and just give yourself up to it. And I think you know, that, way. It, it's just important to, to know yourself. Mm-hmm. And even if you're, you're not very introspective person, if you just judging what makes you the happiest and pursue that. Mm. The other thing that, you know, we haven't really talked about, we started talking about it, but, you know, there's people in your life and there's the things you do and the types of activities that you pursue. But I I think place has a lot to do. I knew somebody here many, many years ago and she just, she left here because she just didn't like the climate. And she moved to a place where she loved the climate and she was just way happier. 
Hmm. You know, she's just, she was always a happy person, but she was happier when she found her place in the world. And huh. I think, you know, as mobile as a society is, it's important to f- find a spot yeah. you like for some of us. And if you find that spot, go there and be there. You know, <laughs> the rest will happen by itself. Yeah, yeah. I'm a firm believer in that. Yeah, that's cool. I love living in California. I mean, that has a lot to do with my mentality. So, yeah, that was the routine. So, you, I know personally that you exercise a lot, so I just want to make that <laughs> part of your, your answer. And then Not as much as I would like to. No, I know, but you're kind of a nut because you're like, oh, I'm, where are you at? I'm at the gym. Where am I? I'm on the bike. Oh, where am I at? I'm walking. I'm playing with Carson. I'm skateboarding. So, you're super active, yeah. which seems to be kind of a, a sure. important part of your routine. So the next question, how do you handle problems? Um, so I know for me, when I feel unhealthy is usually when I'm really stressed out. And that's when I start feeling older. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. when stress gets me. And problems could be different for everybody, obviously. But whatever, how do you handle problems and stress and junk like that? Sometimes, sometimes I think just fine. Like just doesn't phase me at all certain types of things like most people and then uh, other times I, I'm not very good at them I'll let them I'll just push them out kick them down the road you know somebody a guy named Chris Chadwick up here I used to work for told me one time he, he was telling me not to worry about something because you know if it's important Dave they'll come and find you they'll ask you again you know? and <laughs> true and, yeah. and he, you know we use that as kind of a default prioritization mechanism sometimes at work you know if it was important somebody else will come back not sure that that's the best way to deal with problems. Uh, how I like to deal with them now is with a lot of transparency and as quickly as possible. I mean, you've inspired me that way a little bit. You're so un- unshy about financial stuff and, and just about whatever you're dealing with. It's just, you just throw it right out there. And me, I'm a little more circumspect. I don't want to like ruin someone's day. I don't want to make it all about me. Or maybe I'm thinking it is all about me or something. I don't know. But, <laughs> but I, you know, I, yeah, the avoidance of them. Just like for you, it's tough, man. When you try to avoid stuff, it's just always there, always there, always Mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. And so I I think addressing things as quickly and as thoroughly as possible. I don't want to be preachy, but that seems to be the best method. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm blessed in that my job, I don't have the option of avoiding things. I have to deal with things now. And I think that's true for a lot of people. So maybe in their personal life. They they can let things slide, but I still got some stuff at my house. I got some junk at my house, man, that I really should have dispositioned many years ago. <laughs> and I almost take this perverse pride in not doing anything about it. So you know, it's it's still well, that's not really a problem. It's still something. Yeah, it is. It's still something I'm working on. You know, I, I'm yeah. I don't want to give anybody the impression. Oh, look that at I that. Got that nail. Cormoran got a fish. A little is that a fish? Something. Looks like a little flatfish. It's yeah, something. <laughs> You ever hear those things cry? Yeah. You ever hear them inside? Cry? No. <laughs> it goes right through you. If you if they cry close to you, yeah. We did the we did the bay cleanup many many years ago when there's an oil spill, and the pelicans and the cormorants we all had in cages oh, up at HSU. He swallowed it whole. Oh, dump. <laughs> and uh, we had them up at HSU, and it was such a trip to be around those birds. Oh, inside a but building. You, if you want to feel young, spend some time with some pelicans. Yeah. I mean, they're like a prehistoric animal. Right. You know, and you're just like, whoa, I'm not here very long, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, you were asking me about that earlier and, and travel. And I tell you, man, you know, you talk about problems. One thing that I've always found fascinating just in terms of how I feel, I noticed, did not expect and note, but noticed about myself. When I travel, particularly places that are crowded, like the first time I went to China, for example, southern China, 
I felt so insignificant. I felt like such a speck of dust on the earth because there were so <laughs> many people. Hmm. Even though I stood out, I just, I, it was the most calming experience for me. Hmm. Because I'm like, wow, my problems don't matter. I don't matter. This is awesome. <laughs> you know, huh. it made my world seem very small in the scheme of things, being hmm. around all those folks. And I think, you know, we, we maybe, you know, we could use a less self-importance, just trying to stay humble. And that's the other thing. I always get back to racing because it's at the top of my mind these days. But it makes you freaking humble. Yeah. It really does. Yeah. And, and any kind of competition. I think it's a good thing. Because you can't people. win every time forever. And it doesn't so matter what the competition it's is. It's going to be those times where you have to. Competition's good, man. Suck yeah, it up it's and a percentage go. game. Yeah. You're, you know, baseball, it's super low percentages, <laughs> you know. Others' pursuits, it's higher percentages. Mm -hmm. But you learn how to lose as much as you learn how to win. And that's really good for you because I do a lot of negotiation. And a negotiation where one of the parties is totally happy, not a good negotiation. Because the other party is not going to be totally happy. Yeah, they're totally <laughs> dissatisfied. So, yeah. you know, you gotta, you got to find a way so each end is given up a little bit. Um, this one, you could push the skip button on if you don't feel like talking about it, but it is one of my standard questions. Standard as in the last one interview. <laughs> Are you concerned with the afterlife? Wow. <laughs> so, I mean, you can skip it of us, too, <laughs> just to drop a bomb Are on you. you. <laughs> Are you concerned with the afterlife? Nope. No, not at all? Uh -uh. <laughs> no, I can't say that that's something that keeps me up at night. Yeah. <laughs> no. I, I mean, you know. Uh... I don't, I don't, I try not to be too concerned about stuff that I, which is basically everything um, that I don't have any control over, and there's no way to, like, know or control or predict anything about it so why sit there and be concerned about it that's the way i look at it yeah sure the control thing yeah like, yeah you want to you want to care about the things you can influence yeah right? things, I, I mean yeah if you want to if you want to get old fast start getting i mean the definition of crotchety is getting pissed about things that you don't have any influence over mm, you know mm -hmm. and uh exactly. I, i'm totally a victim <laughs> of that sometimes but not very often anymore yeah. I learned that. Again, that was something I learned in my 40s. You know, people used to tell me, hey, you're worrying about too many things. You know, you need to kind of yeah. whittle down your worry set and focus on the things that you can really influence. Yeah. And when I did that, it, you know, it can change my life. So it's good to have perspective. Mm -hmm. You know, there's this, there's this ongoing irony that you know, I think part of staying young is being wise somehow. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you can pick your battles. Yeah. You know, otherwise you just, you know, you, you're going to feel old fast beating your head against a wall. So what's the question? The afterlife. Yeah, just, I don't know. I guess, I, are you concerned with it? Because some people may, like you said, worry about I so much I stuff am. that they're not even really thinking about it. I mean, I guess no. I'm, I'm concerned with it in the fact, like in my other conversation where I'm like, I think about it a lot. I don't think about it like worry. It's more like it's there. I better be present and be awake and have a great day because <laughs> I don't know that I'm going to have a day tomorrow. So I do think about it. I'm concerned with, concerned maybe is not the right way to put it. Do you let it, I don't know. How would you ask that question? <laughs> I guess it depends on what you're trying to get at. You know, it's, it's in that the What after, part is death, dying, yeah, death, so, playing in the afterlife kind so of So it's a motivator for me, for sure, in terms of like, you just, I'm, I'm a firm believer in living in the present. Mm -hmm. um, past is, is done and it's a lesson at best I and mean, maybe some great memories. And the future is, I you know, maybe not there for you. I've seen enough to know in this short life that it maybe is not there for you. And right. especially seems prudent today here with the environmental conditions and the 
you know, going on with this virus, but yeah, I don't know, man, you got to live for today. You got to, you got to do the best you can with what you got when you got it. Yeah. Somebody told me that one time and stuck with me over the years, but it's a hard question to answer because I'm not an overtly religious person. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can't say I have strong beliefs that way. Mm-hmm. I've tried to adopt some beliefs over the years, but caring about it has kind of eluded me. What I've cared about is, is trying to live a life where I treat other people the way I want to be treated mm-hmm. for the most part. I mean, I lose my temper just like anybody else, but not very frequently anymore. I Thank you. Goodbye, caffeine. <laughs> yeah, it probably doesn't hurt, but uh, huh, cool. I, I, it's not a stressor for me. I don't, you know, and the thing I wanted to say, though, one of the things that I wanted to mention was just what a trip it's been doing yoga. Like, I, I never did yoga before, you know, within this last year, year and a half. Mm-hmm. And, and that out-of-body experience, that ethereal moment that you get to, at least I've gotten to almost every single time I've done it. Same here. <laughs> is, I don't know where I am, man. Yeah. It's, but there's definitely depths to be plumbed in that space while you're still around. And it's, it's maybe made me a little more comfortable with the moment of dying. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I've often thought that I'll probably chuckle. You know, if I'm around when I die, I'll probably laugh. <laughs> That'll probably be the last thing I do is chuckle. That's awesome. I want to do that. I, I've tried to enjoy. Can I do that too? I've tried to enjoy my moments here, man. You know, it's, you know me. I, yeah. I really do try to, I try to savor every day. I know? think you might have just stumbled upon my little secret mission is to get people to do yoga. no not really but it's just cool that you're talking about it because i love it so much too it's a trip um, maybe people have their own yoga maybe it's not yoga but there's got to be something like that for people i think the the other thing is that you know there's some sort of saying you don't want to die with uh with aspirations you know you want to die with memories you Mm -hmm. know good or bad i want to live as long as i can for sure but you know you have a couple of uh kidney stones and maybe you rethink that. Often, yeah, you know? <laughs> that's right. You had some super bad, painful. <laughs> you, kidney, you have so. a kidney stone or two, and you start rethinking the option about living as long as you can. Right. And, and you start kind of putting things in the column of things I've, I'd be okay not surviving. <laughs> but uh, and you really mean it. You know, you're not joking around. We're yeah. laughing now, but you know, there's there's definitely some discomfort that mm. people have to work around in life. And I just feel blessed right now that I got my health and I'm able to do the things I do and play with the kids and get up every day and. Totally. Try to kick ass. All right. I have a couple other ones that I really want to discuss before I get to my last one. Hobbies and racing kind of, for me, hobbies is a question. But for you, I know mostly right now it's racing. Just to sort of prime that, I know you were racing before I ever came around and did motocross back in the day and tons of mountain bike racing and all kinds of stuff like that. And then when we sort of started becoming friends and kind of stumbled into Brian's Brian Bartlow's mm-hmm. uh, feel like a pro thing, similar time frame, and and coming out of that, and then me trying to get the flat track going, and going, come on, you know, go do it, and, you, and I remember you in your whatever gear you yeah. had at the time, yeah. street helmet and stuff, yeah. and we were both out there on the rental bikes, and so fun to see you from that level to I'm buying a bike, I'm buying the gear, I'm going racing, I'm winning, I'm beating, I'm racing little 16 year olds and you come back from these things and like you're actually kicking some butt, some like teenager butt and I'm just like. It's fun. That's pretty cool, you know, and that that's sort of what got you in this, I mean, besides all the other stuff you just talked about, but that really is what sort of pinged me to, to want to talk with you. So what, Yeah, I just think, talk you know, you everyone to everyone about st- racing. <laughs> well, you want to stay hungry, right? So I did get to 
you know, ski race as a kid. I did mountain bike race as a, as a high school student, even in Southern Cal, which I, I, to this day, I have no idea what my classmates thought of hell I was doing because nobody else was doing it. <laughs> I was going to say that was I was back with in... a bunch of old people that were getting naked after the race, you know, and I would get in my car at 16 and try to drive home and just fall asleep at the wheel, you know, <laughs> have to pull over somewhere and sleep in an in-and-out parking lot. I mean, mountain bikes were like, I'm not saying they were old, and new. but back then, yeah, that was I got kind a job of, in a bike shop and then just kind of a new thing. Oh, it was brand new. Yeah. yeah. And, but there was a great group of people down there. Victor Vincente was kind of the ringleader of a lot of it, but... There were some awesome races and rides that went on, and it was really kind of a budding thing in different areas, but I was in like, the Southern California scene at the time. So from and skiing to mountain biking, it kind of, of becoming same... part of your blood yeah, flow there. Yeah, I like going downhill fast, you know, and, and yeah. I get a kick out of that, and I'm comfortable with it. So, yeah, that was really fun. But the whole time I was always, when I was a kid, my parents really, you know, accommodated me, but it, they never really wanted me to be a professional athlete. Huh. And I knew some people that did. Some of the kids that I grew up racing in mid-Vermont with became top-level skiers. They were professional Olympic-level skiers, hmm. you know. Um, not me. You know, I was a notch below those guys. I wanted to be a great skier, but you know, just wasn't that dedicated. And my parents, you know, they, I was always on a college track, an academic track, you know, not a not a professional athlete track. I was never on that. And I didn't right. even really know that was an option. It was never really presented to me as something I could do. So over the years, you know, I've always had to balance my hobbies with my work. I've had to make a living. So trying to find the time to do that thoroughly and, and you know, trying to get serious about it. And the motos. And, and training and all that stuff. The motos are kind of nice because they have their, their own power. <laughs> Yeah, you don't need you know? it. You could be out of shape and you could still enjoy it. But the, the point being, it was that I always had to work while I was pursuing my hobbies. You know, I had to work a lot. And then I also liked being in relationships. So, you know, I had to have a girlfriend and, you know, I had a lot of friends and, you know, I liked eating out. So I had to make sure I made plenty of money and mm -hmm. I like traveling, doing all these different things. So I never really, you know, went crazy into one thing or another. I very much enjoyed what I was doing as hard as I could do it. I always worked while I was pursuing those hobbies. Mm -hmm. And God, I love mountain biking. I still love it. Doing a little work on one of my bikes right now, and I can't wait to get back up into the forest on the trails that I've been tuning up lately and do some more riding soon. I want to, I'm going to use Tegan's bike. I want to get Go into riding. that a little bit, yeah. get some cardio going. Oh, it's so good, man. Yeah. But cycling is cycling's amazing and it was amazing for me. I just, I, to be honest with you, I just never, look, I was criticized for a long time by some of the people around me for being overly competitive, overly serious about things, taking things too, too much of this. And I, I think I was just around the wrong people, man, <laughs> you know, cause I got around the motorcycle race community and it's kind of the opposite. Like I gotta, you gotta I, be serious. I, I gotta get my act together. Yeah. I gotta like, I gotta, I'm around people that are more intense than me. Yeah. Way more like a whole nother scale of intensity. I would agree and, with that. And yeah. so, you know, that's been really refreshing. And yeah, taking Brian's classes and, you know, Didi, that was Didi's gift to me for my 50th birthday was flat tracking. Going out and doing those classes and, and learning, I just got hooked, man. Got totally hooked. And for the first time, I felt like, you know, where I was at in my career and stuff, I could really kind of dedicate some effort. But it's taken years to get physically fit enough to, to really race at a higher amateur level and be somewhat competitive. For me, there's nothing like it. Like I, I don't regret doing it at all, you know, even when I've been injured a few times. I know you've come back from races and, have, oh, yeah, I did this, and then you show me your bruise, and it just looks gnarly, and you're like, yeah, whatever, it was worth one it. Of the, <laughs> one of the best photos I have, I, I should get the damn thing blown up, is the photo of me and you at Santa Rosa three years ago, four years ago, 
night after I came back from the bike shop, I worked my ass off for a week in Vegas, flew back, and I drank too much the night before, flew back, went up to Santa Rosa, raced, someone's errant bike in a crash, ran into my oh, leg and broke my broke leg. broke your leg. And I'm riding <laughs> around the track with my shoes all hanging off, and <laughs> I'm riding around the track, and I'm stopping, and everybody's like, get back up to the line, your yeah. shoes off. And I'm like, my leg's broken. <laughs> and they're like, you didn't even fall. I'm like, I'm just driving around, where's the ambulance? Where's the ambulance? <laughs> and, and I get over the ambulance, and we've got a photo of me, like, half-dressed. They got bandages on me and stuff. Big old smile and on you your And you and I are just, cra- <laughs> we were cracking jokes, and <laughs> just having the time of our lives yeah and and i you know i don't remember like ever regretting that that was the year i, I won the little local championship here because i uh not too long after that we had another race and i had to tape up my leg and uh put Scram it in a sandwich in bag and <laughs> grease it up and shove it into my boot i remember the that race and i had to get guy. third or better yeah and uh, i pulled it off and uh, you know i got that trophy it was fun it was fun. That was a really dumb thing to do, but you know, sometimes when you're older and you want to be younger, you do dumb shit. <laughs> and I know, so I know the young wise, people that just do it as a matter of course. The but. wise part is just choosing <clears throat> when to be dumb. We'll just say that. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. You know, balancing out the yeah. risk and reward. But you know, for me, it was worth it at the time. But I've never been so happy, and and so uh, you know, I was. I had tears in my eyes the last couple of laps because I caught my foot on the on the track. You know? But that picture of us at Santa Rosa—that's pretty classic. Yeah. Me and you, and I think Trini is. Trini in the might be standing there. Yeah. God, we're all just laughing, and it looks like people are like, "What's happening in this picture?" I know. You think like, oh, it? I'm getting my—they're wrapping up my legs so I can get off my motorcycle to go to the hospital. <laughs> you know, I guess uh, too. I'm not sure who's going to be listening to this, but um, maybe we could quickly say what racing we're talking about, which is flat track. Yeah. It might be grandmas and flat track kids dirt ovals old school american racing yeah so you're going down the uh, dirt track sideways it doesn't look right when you see people do it yeah you're sliding on purpose and yeah. accelerating and sliding and accelerating and sliding and usually not much stopping until you crash so yeah that's the whole point it's of it so exciting it's pretty fun and the races Banging are elbows. real short yeah and they're super high intensity and there's a lot of them mm-hmm. and you can race your age class mm-hmm. you can race your bike size class you can race your skill class. Or you can do what you do and race the... You can race for money. <laughs> race the younger guys and still yeah. do pretty well. Yeah, you can beat up on the young punks when you want to. And, yeah. And, you know, take your lumps from them, you know, when they're trying to they're trying to assert themselves. You know, it's just so much fun. Cool. Yeah, to me, that's part of your secret. <laughs> what? <laughs> Is racing. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. I don't know if that's part of the secret or the secret allows you to do racing. Maybe it's both. Yeah, I'm not sure, but I, I'm so glad I found something that I can be competitive in. It's just so rewarding. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I, I get as bummed out as the next person when I don't ride well. I think you've been with me at the track, like up in Salem, when mm-hmm. I didn't have a good weekend and I was not happy with myself, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but, you know, other times, just in that flow state and you, you hear like the little pebbles under your shoe you know going 80 miles an hour whatever through the corners at sacramento mile mm-hmm. and, and you can't hear hardly anything you hear that your helmet creaking and you hear the guy behind you you hear the crunch of his shifting or some weird sound you know and you notice the announcer you know on the side Garbling of the track or whatever yeah, yeah just being in that state is zen it's pretty awesome <laughs> man. you know and i've only i've only really experienced that a, you know a few times doing a few things in my life you know, but God, it's, it's 
pretty awesome. All right, last question. If you had one wish for people, for others, what would it be? Either pursuing youthfulness or just whatever you want to say. If you had one wish for them. Really? <laughs> yeah, it could be anything. You know, I, the thing that entertains me and keeps, that just cheers me up the most is when, I don't even care who it is, but anybody does something that's like an artistic pursuit, like whatever their thing is. You know, for me, you know, my art is almost riding my motorcycle. You know, mm -hmm. I really, that's how I paint. That's or ride my bicycle. That's just, it's movement for me. It's dance. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. uh, I've tried other things. You've read my crappy haikus, you know. It's, it's, <laughs> They're not crappy. They're good. <laughs> but I don't think they're that great. But I love writing haikus. And so, but, but you know, painting and sculpture, I'm just so inspired by people doing whatever it is their pursuit is. And I'm, I'm probably not themselves. a very good critic, but... Yeah, people expressing themselves. Exactly. That's a great way to put it. I, I just love to see that. Uh, young, old, bad, good. Uh, I don't give two shits, you know? It's, I just I have like noticed to that. see it. That's really cool that you said that because I have noticed that about you. You're always, like, supporting somebody that's doing some drawing or just even somebody that we just happen to meet that might be doing yeah. some sort of creative thing. You're like... Mix, drink mixing drinks or whatever you're I don't like, care what it is yeah. everybody's got a passion when I used to travel a lot for work I had years where I traveled hundreds of days a year for work you know and you're sitting on a plane next to people you don't know and I would always ask them the same question or often ask them the same question and this is one of my secrets that I would say hey what do you do for fun I don't know why I started asking that question I just did mm -hmm. I used to write a lot of postcards too to my mom and to other people, you know, when I would travel. And I really enjoyed writing. I think writing is always a good thing to do. Mm -hmm. um, just to see your mark. You mm -hmm. know, there's something as old as cave painting, mm -hmm. you know, to, to actually picking up a pen or a pen or, a, you know, a brush and, and, you know, scribing something, carving or whatever. I used to ask people, you know, and, and it was so funny because people would, you know, get caught off guard a little bit. But then they don't know you, so they're kind of free to talk. Yeah. yeah. And I, I don't think I ever met anybody, ever that didn't have a passion hmm. that either they were pursuing or they weren't pursuing, but something that they, that was their thing that they love to do. And a lot of times it's, you know, since they were a kid. And, and so I think on top of that is I, I like people to be consistent. I don't mind if people change, you know, kind of what they do and, you know, maybe in elements of how they do, but I love consistency in people. Hmm. I love it. It just consistently bad, consistently good. Just, I like predictability, <laughs> but I also like that surprise and to see that spark in somebody when they're doing their thing or the outcome of whatever their thing is. Yeah. I, I yeah. just love that. And I, I, if I could say anything to people, man, whatever it is you're passionate about, go do it right now. Don't, <laughs> don't wait till tomorrow. Don't wait till next week. You know, do it as soon as you can put it on the schedule. That's awesome. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks. For talking with me. Thanks, Jeff. I knew we were going to have a good conversation. <laughs> I know. That's the best uh, part about this. Just one thing about COVID right now. It's, this is one of the hardest things. It's actually getting real time. And then we should tell everybody that we're practicing social distancing right now. We are outside. We are six feet apart. We got a recording device in between us. And man, please, you know, just take care, everybody. Yeah. Thanks. All right. Until I see you in the next week. <laughs> All right, take care, Jim. All right, bye.
found If I'm not you I'm gonna dip my cup In the fountain of you Hey there. This seems to be a thing that I'm going to do, I guess, after each episode, because I listen to it and I have all these thoughts come up and I'm like, oh, I want to talk about that. So hopefully that won't drive everybody crazy, always having an afterthought. And if it does, they can just not listen, I guess. Um, so um, as I listened to this one and I just have to say, I really enjoyed this conversation with Dave. It really went very smoothly. I mean, we talk a lot anyway, because um, we see each other and it just was like that, but really have an excuse to dig down deep and see some stuff and hear some stuff um, that I have got through being friends with him, but not able to put into words. So it was really cool to, to be able to bring that out so that, so that other people can see it. And I think he's a pretty inspirational person to be around on a day-to-day -day basis. So some things that came up, uh, first of all, my technical abilities are limited still <laughs> and the wind noise and stuff outside and it was kind of cool because there was some 80s rock going in the background on one of the fishing boats there and where we were sitting in the marina in eureka and i didn't think it was that loud and then as i was listening i could almost hear the song in the background but whatever kind of adds to the ambiance <laughs> uh, the second technical thing is my laughs oh my goodness i don't know my i need to practice my my laughs i don't know if that's even possible to practice something like that but those were true laughs, but they sound sort of abrupt and, and strange. But anyway, those are in there. And the other things that I, would, that I was doing that drove myself crazy after listening to it for like 20 times plus when I was editing, maybe 100 times, were the hmm, mm-hmm, hmm, mm-hmm. I must have done that too many times. So I'm going to hook up a little shock button that um, I can have somebody watch and they give me a shock when I uh, say hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know what else to say, though, when people are talking. I'm just trying to show them that I'm listening. So, uh, and one thing that came up that was really neat, I thought, was Dave's, obviously, his love for Humboldt was really clear. I kept referring back to different things that he loved about Humboldt, and I just thought that was really nice to see. Um, I also loved his takeaway take that his, spoke, his, spokes, his folks inspired him to do stuff and not to, you know, get stuff. And I think that is really a key component to, to Dave. And I would like it to be a key component in a lot of my friends' lives and my kids' lives and my life. So I think that's a really cool point to take away. Um, I laughed. He got through with his, his background and I was like, cool, okay. And I just had my agenda going on the questions that I wanted to ask, but it was really fun to, to sort of hear the flow of his background and what made him who he is. And I think that's important in these interviews because you could just be listening to anybody, but it's kind of important to know who the person is. So didn't mean to shut it off and slam the door shut with a cool, but that's what happened. So anyway, um, I did notice a similar thread already just between the two that I've done. When I asked uh, first my mom how old she felt and how old Dave felt, they both were like, I didn't really feel an age and I, just some little light went off of me like, huh, that's kind of cool. Um, let's see. I'll try not to say um too many times in between all my thoughts, but the next one I noticed was you can't 
be young if you're not alive. Kind of obvious, but <laughs> crack me up. And I also liked that uh, Dave's take on butterflies are good, and I and I really like that because butterflies are are scary. You know how scary butterflies are. They're they're scary. <laughs> um, let's see the caffeine part. When I was editing, I I don't know why I want to tell you guys this, but I could speed it up and slow it down. I don't know how to record that, and I wish I could have because it was really funny. Because as Dave was saying. I gave up packing, and I sped it up really fast. And then I, right when he would say, and I don't need it, I would slow it down really slow. It was so funny, but you have to imagine because I couldn't figure out how to get that on the tape. I like that he said, um, feed your body and your mind. I thought it was funny that I said, yeah, like some people eat ham. What the heck? I don't know how I came up with that. I also like that he said, know yourself. Also a common thread, I think between the two interviews so far um, um, that I'm noticing. I like the way he addresses problems. He said, you know, I'm, I'm as good at it sometimes and not at others, but he likes to take take them on quickly and, and not let them linger. Um, I've laughed at my ADHD when a cormorant or something was eating and I just talked about it. Um, I don't know if I really have ADHD. I shouldn't joke about that, but I definitely pay attention to multiple details all the time. And I think it's a good thing. And I've always said that I think ADHD is like a survival mechanism that shouldn't die out. We just have to learn how to work with it. And for me, the cormorants and any wildlife like that always take my attention for a minute. So I left it on there. Kind of a fun little thing. I like that he said, stay humble. You know, he was talking about racing and any type of competitive thing when you lose, you know, and maybe like the top, top athletes would say, no, don't go humble. They're always win, 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 win. And, and, you know, if that's the route you want to go, that may be the mindset you have to take. But for most of us, the day to day, I like the idea of staying humble uh, because it is, you know, something that you're going to come against. You can't always win every time. And if you take the losses in stride and learn from them, that seems to be a good approach. So you got to learn how to lose, like Dave was saying. I think that's a key, key um, point. Uh, I also liked in his discussion about when negotiating. In his job, he sort of alluded to he does a lot of negotiating, big kind of pressure type situations where he's in charge of making sure that his company is getting what they need, but also that his customer is getting what they need or getting what they need, um, and. And I, I've never sort of thought about it that way, that if one side walks away really happy from a negotiation, then it didn't go well. And I, I just that is, to me, just a great way to look at a balanced, you know, relationship in any in high-level business or even on a day-to-day -day relationship level. I really like that. I like that he said um, he's sort of, I don't think he meant to say this, but I thought it was really cool that he said, I'm a believer, and I think he meant to say believer. And Dave, don't be mad at me for pointing that out. But I actually like believer because he was talking about being earlier and doing. And um, well, being and doing are not exactly the same thing. But <laughs> I just thought it was cool because he's a liver, so he's a believer. Um, and yes, I like the fact that yoga got snuck in there again. <laughs> Sneaky. Um, I love it. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Uh, toot the horn, yoga horn, um, and whenever I can, the yoga horn. What would a yoga horn sound like? Hmm. 
Om, 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 om. <laughs> okay. Um, which brings me to <laughs> cracking myself up to Dave's other comment about he's going to die chuckling. And I, I, that's a wish that I would like to wish for myself. Um, for anybody that, that, that we pass through the next, you know, gate chuckling. Um, you know, and that... That was just a nice image to have. I don't, well, talk to me again when I'm actually doing it and see if I can hold to that. But that's what I'm going for as well, Dave. Thank you for that. I'll take that. I also like when he talked about balancing risk and reward because I, I too, am in the same boat with him where I'm actually a pretty cautious person, but I've always done things relatively risky, um, but the rewards are great. And if you're cautious while you're doing the risky thing, then maybe the risk is minimized. At least that's what I've told myself and my mom <laughs> when I was younger. Uh, so yeah, balancing balancing with anything, with food, with activities, with you know, negotiating seems to be a good idea. And I really like his one wish for people, which was you know somewhat like. Uh, my first, like my mom's actually, and his wish was express yourself. I think my mom's was know yourself, which you kind of will get to know yourself by expressing yourself. And you may even get to express yourself by knowing yourself. So it's kind of a, a circle, you know, chasing its tail there. I really want to end on the question that he posed to people that he met, which is, what do you do for fun? You know, I mean, it sounds childish to ask something like that. I mean, not not in a bad way, but it's it's not a super deep, like, adult thing to say. But honestly, if you're trying to, if you're if you're looking for that youthful spark, um, I've found that fun is kind of got to be in there somewhere. And whatever your version of that is, my fun might be different than your fun. And his other wish, which was to follow your passion, or his his advice, his truism, is to follow your passion. So I hope you enjoyed that. Thank you, Dave, for a great talk. I hope everybody stays safe. Stay safe. Yeah, stay safe as you can during the, the COVID outbreak. Uh, and I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for the next interview. It will be good and exciting and all the good stuff. <laughs> all right. Take care. Thanks.